Hello and welcome back to the Economic Review. On Saturday, it was announced that the group of seven nations, which includes the US, the UK, Canada, Germany, France, Italy, and Japan, had all agreed to back a new 15% global minimum tax on multinational corporations. US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who was in London, meeting with the finance ministers of the other G7 countries tweeted in support of the move, writing that, quote, global minimum tax rate would end the race to the bottom in corporate taxation and ensure fairness for the middle class and working people in the U.S. and around the world. On Saturday, as President Joe Biden met with leaders of the G7, the White House also released a statement that read, quote, G7 leaders will endorse a strong global minimum tax of at least 15 percent. This U.S. priority is a critical step towards ensuring the decades-long race to the bottom that pushes nations to compete over who can offer the lowest tax rate to large corporations at the expense of protecting workers, investing in infrastructure, and growing the middle class. The tax is to be presented to the G20 when they meet in October. There are multiple problems with this G7's latest proposal. Abroad, this would severely hamper the ability of developing nations to compete in the global marketplace. By taking away the one incentive many of these countries have, low or even no corporate taxes, companies would quickly leave. With a baseline international corporate tax rate, countries like South Korea, Singapore, and the United Arab Emirates would cease to be able to compete. In April, Pascal Donahue, the finance minister of Ireland, which has a corporate tax rate of 12.5%, said, quote, I believe that small countries, and Ireland is one of them, need to be able to use tax policy as a legitimate lever to compensate for the advantages of scale, location, resources, industrial heritage, and the real, material, and persistent advantage enjoyed by larger countries. On the other hand, the failure to successfully implement the tax would provide smaller countries that simply refuse to raise their taxes an undue advantage. Companies would leave G7 countries and move their headquarters elsewhere, taking their profits and their employees with them. There is also the prospect of countries bribing global companies with tax breaks, subsidies, and deductions. Daniel Bunn, the vice president of global projects at the Tax Foundation, wrote that, quote, a global agreement would not be worth the paper it's written on if it does not make economies as tax structures sufficiently uniform. In 2017, when President Donald Trump cut the corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%, the result was a bigger economy and more money in the pockets of Americans. According to a report done by the Heritage Foundation, the average American was set to be $26,000 richer over 10 years after the implementation of the tax cut. Romina Bakia, the former director of the Heritage Foundation's Grover M. Herman Center, wrote in 2018 that President Trump's 2017 corporate tax cut, quote, significantly improves America's position in global financial markets, as businesses are, quote, more inclined to conduct and expand their operations within U.S. borders and employ American workers. It really is extremely simple. Higher taxes always lead to a drop in the income of average Americans. If you tax them directly, their paychecks got smaller. If you tax the corporations, the average consumer gets handed the bill in the form of higher prices. It's the same thing with the G7's proposed minimum global tax. 
While there is certainly a good argument to be made in favor of a global minimum tax rate, the bad far outweighs the good. Countries are forfeiting what little nationalism they have left to receive a few more dollars in their coffers. Moving on, President Biden appears to have given the green light to Nordstrom 2. On his first day in office, President Joe Biden signed an executive order that killed the Keystone XL pipeline project in an effort to combat climate change. Quote, the permit is hereby revoked, Biden's executive order said. Leaving the Keystone XL pipeline permit in place would not be consistent with my administration's economic and climate imperatives. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau expressed his disappointment over the move that cost the Canadian-based TC Energy Company a thousand jobs and at least a billion dollars. Another few thousand American jobs were lost as a $10 million green job training fund and $500 million for indigenous suppliers and jobs were lost. In the end, the Biden administration conclusively decided that the threat of climate change trumped the economic benefits of the pipeline. Unfortunately, in Eastern Europe, it's a different story. The Biden administration is letting the Nord Storm 2 pipeline from Russia to Germany continue almost unabated. The project, headed by former East German intelligence officer Matthew Waring, was hindered after Congress passed the National Defense Authorization Act in December 2020. The act targeted those involved in the Nord Storm 2 pipeline with heavy sanctions. Why sanction a pipeline project? The pipeline would run natural gas directly from Russia, underneath the Baltic Sea, and into Germany, doubling Russia's natural gas exportation and giving an economic and geopolitical win to the Putin administration. Currently, gas exported from Russia has to go through the former Soviet state of Ukraine, which is now a democracy at odds with Moscow. The pipeline would infuse more money into the coffers of the Kremlin and weaken the geopolitical strength of Ukraine. Russia would also gain the leverage of being one of the biggest natural gas exporters to Eastern Europe. The pipeline, which is currently 95% complete, is expected to be finished this summer. The Biden administration has continued to pay lip service to the idea that the pipeline is a threat to the national security of Europe and the United States, despite lifting almost all sanctions on the project. Following the news that the administration would be lifting sanctions on those involved in the construction of the pipeline, a State Department spokesperson told Fox News, quote, The Biden administration has been clear that Nord Storm 2 pipeline project is a Russian geopolitical project that threatens the European energy security and that of Ukraine and eastern flank NATO allies and its partners. We continue to examine entries involved in potentially sanctionable activities and have made it clear that companies risk sanctions if they are, invol- if they are involved in Nord Stream 2. We will continue to underscore U.S. strong bipartisan opposition to this U.S. malign influence project. The question begs to be asked, if they really believe all that, why are they lifting sanctions? When journalists pressed Biden on the issue, the president told them that the project was, quote, almost completely finished. Quote, to go ahead and impose sanctions now, I think, would be counterproductive in terms of our European relations. And they know how strongly I feel. And I hope we can work on how they handle it from this point on. Republican Representative Michael McCall responded to Biden in a tweet, quote, We finally see the cost of admission for the Putin summit. 
let him have dominion over European energy while selling out Ukraine. Blaming the prior administration is a weak excuse. At POTUS can stop Nord Stream 2 now if he follows the law and sanctions all involved. President Biden has publicly opposed President Putin on several occasions, yet when it comes to preventing an increase in his administration's influence, Biden seems to be backing away. Biden can assert his opposition to the pipeline and proclaim Russia to be a great threat, but if his words and his actions are in direct opposition, the world will discern weakness. Thank you for listening to the Economic Review. We'll be back soon with the latest.